Oh yeah, comedy film nerds. That's too hot. Wow, just, just draw. Well, you you never sat down, so you just came in. I'm standing up. That's it. You <laughs> I know. know. I normally sit, but yep. I just felt like standing. Mm-hmm. I felt like this should be more of a of a bar stool type of a leaning against a bar type of a conversation. It was like hearing vocal adrenaline. It really, it really was vocal adrenaline. <laughs> yes, a great I, they, band. Yeah. they were great. Then <laughs> mm-hmm. the yeah. '80s, they peaked. Yeah. Peaked. Yeah. Peaked. I saw their new. Then you tour. crash hard. with all adrenaline. You crash. Yeah. You crash. They opened for kneecap homicide. They were great. <laughs> <laughs> and my, one of my favorite, a real band that I saw, not saw, but saw in like a newspaper in Chicago once, Graveyard Abortion. Oh, oh real band, real band. That's a band you go see just off the name. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Graveyard abortion, I'm in. And you I, ask them if they have merch. You guys have merch, right? You got merch, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we haven't thought about it. Like, you should. You get really. People are going to want to know they went here. <laughs> I would buy your merch regardless of the genre <laughs> yes. of your music. Yeah. Right. right. Even if it was just a cat running across a, a right. set of symbols, mm-hmm. I would buy Graveyard sure. Abortion. Merch. Yeah. Yeah. If they're out there, Graveyard Abortion, we'll carry your merch at ComedyFilmNerds.com. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> we'll design it too. <laughs> Oh, so. and in Alabama, you can go get one. Yeah, yeah. For sure. that's one of the only places Come to on, do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Female governor signed it into law. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's episode 469. Yes, and we are getting, we're going to do something special for 500, I think. We have to. Yeah, we're getting closer. 500 is going to be right around the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Is there a Star Wars movie we can go to Australia mm, for? That's That's a really tough one. And uh, I got to say, I'm like champing at the bit about talking about Star Wars because I went to Galaxy's Edge on Friday at Disneyland, oh. and I can't talk about it until after Friday. Was I was at the new kids on the block. Yeah, yeah. I can talk about it. <laughs> I'm on Disney lockdown. Okay. So, but uh, that's a little tease. I was at Galaxy's Edge, and I'll be talking mm-hmm. about it next week. It Look was, at Mancini just yeah. whispering in your ear, Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. I want to tell you about it, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're beautiful, but I won't express it. Yeah. Um, oh, Millennium Falcon. <laughs> You're going to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a lot of movies we're going to talk about today, Graham. We we're going to talk about Brightburn. We're going to be talking about Booksmart. We're going to be talking about Rim of the World and Pump. So, uh, But first, let's introduce our guest. Hello. Hasn't been on in a while. Hasn't been on in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, a man of many voices. Uh, and records right down the street. Really? We, uh, yeah, hasn't been. We should have had him on short, sooner. And I will mm-hmm. come back anytime you mm-hmm. want. Daniel Van Kirk. Hi, friends. Mm-hmm. How are you? Good. You were on one of our, I think the first time you were on our episode was year one of the Podfest, where that you came on and correct. did Donnie Wahlberg. No, Mark. I did Mark, Mark but I probably yelled that's about right. Donnie. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I just saw Donnie perform. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. they, I hear they crush. Dude, I so I, I heard went, it's so much fun. It's the most fun. So Joey McIntyre, who's been on this show, yeah. he's a buddy mm-hmm. of mine. He's really cool. They were playing down in, in uh, Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to the show Friday. And it is so much fun. It's three hours. First of all, it's 15,000 people. 14,000 of them are women. Right. So there's like, mm-hmm. literally like you're one of maybe a thousand guys there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went with some friends. I went with Gary Brightwell, who's been on the show and his mm-hmm. girlfriend, Walker Yule, who did the the audio visual for PodFest mm-hmm. and his girlfriend. And we all went and just had a blast. And, you know, uh, Debbie Gibson did Tiffany. Oh, that's great. Salt and Peppa came out. Come on. They were on fire. It Mm. was so great. Naughty by Nature. It was such a fun show. 80s night. It was 80s night. They call Mm. it the mixtape tour. Right. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
big stage effects sure. and lights mm-hmm. and sure. the whole it's just a those shows it's just a good time it's a i've seen them mm-hmm. maybe five times now it's <laughs> just a blast and there's some fans of this show that were there. Charlene was there. You got to go backstage. I got to go backstage. Ooh. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. You can see my photos mm. backstage. Mm. Hey. Mm. Um, you weren't on New Kids Lockdown until the release. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny because they're, they're all like, got, they're men in their 40s. They have yep. kids and everything. Mm-hmm. So backstage is just like, they're like in sweatpants. Uh-huh. Like, hey, yeah. Graham, good to see yeah. you. It's mm-hmm. not like. Yeah, Motley Crue in the no, 80s. No, it's not. No. And I hope you no, tried to tell Donnie that you were like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's a comic. He does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You should have been there, man. He'd love his impression of your brother. <laughs> Which one of his brothers doesn't. I did it for Paul Wahlberg in Boston at Wahlbergers. And he was like, all right, he, he took a shot. And I was Ooh. like, and I thought to myself, that's the best I could hope for. Like, that's so on brand for a Wahlberg. Yeah. Like, they're mm-hmm. not going to give it up. No. no. And oh, especially just any guy from Dorchester, Massachusetts is not going to like give it up for so anything. Like, right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll take I'll take that. I'll Unless you're mm-hmm. like, you know, you Larry Bird or someone. They're going <laughs> to give it up for that guy. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. 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 You have to transcend all of like commonality of Boston man <laughs> for them to be like, because <laughs> what somebody said once, like the slogan of Boston is uh, you think you're better than me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think that was that was years and years ago. Mm-hmm. You guys were gracious enough to let me come goof around. That was 2012, with you. year one of Podfest, mm-hmm. and then uh, which is no longer. I believe Daniel was also on uh, Sketchfest with us when we did uh, San Francisco. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, I you forgot did, about you that. You did do Sketchfest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was working in Vegas when the Cubs were in the World Series or, or playoffs, 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 and you and I watched it together. That was so much fun, man. Was it 16 or 15? I feel like it was fifteen. It was fifteen. The year they beat the Cardinals and then lost to the Mets in the in the yes league champ. It was yeah. fifteen. Yeah, I was working yeah. there at the back. When and I think game. we watched a Mets game. Yeah, because I don't remember them winning. <coughs> Something. And, and that whole series was Tough. for all you comedy film nerds, baseball fans. It was, <laughs> it was, it was the Cubs <laughs> trying to hit home runs while the Mets just played baseball. <laughs> So, all right. So let's get into it. Um, Dan also saw Brightburn. Oh, well. Well, did you see it? Uh, I did not. I saw Booksmart. uh, Let's talk about Brightburn. First of all, before we start, are you a comic book fan? Yes. Are you a DC Superman fan? Yes. Okay, great. Because basically, if you don't guys, if you guys don't know, Brightburn is essentially a what if if when Superman came to Earth, he was actually evil. Which is a really good idea. It's, you know what, and I'll say this, um, this movie was a premise in search of a movie. <laughs> I agree with that. So, Dan, why don't you go first, and then I, I'll probably agree with everything you're about As to I was watching mm-hmm. it, I felt like, oh, okay, this is about two people who... No, how did I say this? This is about two people with a child who don't understand how to co-parent and haven't created a foster or fostered a culture of communication within their family unit. Yes. Like everything <laughs> rests yeah, on yeah. that. Two people that are independently parenting this child mm-hmm. wildly. I mean, mm-hmm. to the farthest independent parent decisions in mm-hmm. the third act. Uh <laughs> And then have not created any sort of safe place to feel like you can, t- like that a teenager can talk about their urges or feelings, right? Because <laughs> everything hinges on that. That's 
everything wrong hinges on this kid, these parents not communicating with each other, and this kid feeling like he can't talk to either one of them. And it's a great, great setup because if you have all those things, you have the teenager who isn't fitting in, isn't doing well in school, doesn't, um, you know, is basically getting bullied. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you add the fact that he's a psychopathic killer with uh, superpowers. You have an amazing metaphor for what it's like to grow up and, you know, Mm -hmm. not understand and, you know, relate to your parents and all those things combined. I'm like, oh, this is a really cool setup. I can't wait to see where this is going. And then you go, oh, that's where it's going. Okay. Oh, now that's where it's going. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think this is a swing and a miss. It really was one of those movies that because the setup was so interesting, it was even more disappointing when it literally went nowhere with it to the point where there were so many weird logic choices and flaws that, uh, by the way, there are going to be some spoilers, so I want to put them in a special spoiler rant at the end. We'll give that for the, uh, the, the Patreon uh, members at the $5 level, but we won't do spoilers now, but there's a lot I need to talk about there as well. But that was the main flaw for this film was it was like a great setup and a great premise, but it just literally went nowhere with it. The other thing about it is it was a very dark and, um, twisted film, which is normally fine, but here's the thing that you don't, they don't understand as, as filmmakers when you have a really dark movie, there mm-hmm. has to be a light in there somewhere to make the darkness seem even sure. darker. But if you have a slow decline throughout the entire movie, it bores the audience, and also there's nowhere else for it to go. So if you have like nothing but horrible things happening over and over and over again with no um, semblance of things changing or happening differently, then it's like, okay, well, I know what's going to happen in this scene. I know what's going to happen in this scene. Everything's just getting worse and worse and worse, and then we're going to end the film. And that's exactly what happened. And you're also kind of lowering your stakes throughout, too. Yeah, because absolutely. Because you're, you're you never are. being mm-hmm. like, well, what's what's this up against mm-hmm. that I care about? Until right. eventually, like, well, I don't need to care because I know what's going to Yeah, because it's just going to be something horrible is going to happen in this scene like it's happened in the other, the previous every single scene. And there's all these setups that go nowhere. Like, you know, the ship that he comes in. They have it under the, uh, the basement of – or they have it in the barn. Sure. It's communicating with the kid as he's getting older. But is it like – did puberty trigger it? Is the ship controlling him? Is there some kind of mission from his home planet? Like, none of that gets explored. Mm-hmm. He just, like, has a connection with the ship, and then he just starts killing people, and then that's that's it. Okay, so it was very, very sloppy and lazy writing. It really was. But do you and, feel that he was destined to be evil? Well, that's just it. You don't, you don't really Because I would have liked that he actually was. Yeah, yeah. And I'm it, fine with, like... Things that, uh, uh, like, uh, influences that accelerate maybe that evilness. Right. Where I was like, oh, he, that kind of propelled him more towards yeah. the darkness he was heading towards anyway. Like, I don't need a full, like, would have been a nice guy if this wouldn't right. happen. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more interesting to be like, no, Superman was always going to be good, and this person was always going to be bad. And that's fine. And the problem is that um, the movie never really knows or lets you in on what's supposed to be happening like is there an inner conflict is there no inner conflict we just don't know right it's just scene to scene randomly with horrible things happening in them like every once in a while like actually no it was just one scene where you know he's clearly completely detached from emotion he's an alien he considers himself superior than any other human being on the planet including his parents um and then there's one line that i think is also in the trailer where he just goes 
I want to be good. I really do. Really? Are you no, sure? No, I don't think you do. Yeah, I don't think... I, and it's know, okay yeah, for you, your character you, to not. It's kind of yeah. scarier. You've shown none of that throughout the entire movie. One line isn't going to make us wonder about your inner conflict. You actually, We would actually have had to have seen that uh, before now. Right. Well, that's interesting because, you know, so much of the Superman mythology is... Um, we're sending this Superman to show humans that they can mm. th- just bring out the best in themselves, sure. right? right? That's sort of what it is. Right. Is, yep. he, is he Jesus? I mean, that one of those movies was very, <laughs> very clunky, and then he's right. like in the sky with his arms yeah. open. One, yeah. <laughs> but like, so there's so much of that in the Superman mythology. So why not in this one go? Oh no, maybe there's some uh, dark forces on a planet went. Go down there and you know take yeah. over. You know they're absolutely, weak. and right. like that gets hinted at, but it's also like, well, wait, is that really what's what's going on? Like, uh, like, like in Superman know, two, the, yeah. the Christopher Reeves one, where the bad General Zod and everybody mm, they were there for. they were they they were in they were in the the neutral zone that was a prison. Right. They broke out of prison. And then we're like, all right, game on. We can yeah, go right. eat these people up. Yeah. And I think, though, that you can have villains who just want to be bad and the audience enjoy it. It can be fun and still have stakes. Yeah. Like, like going back to DC, the Joker in The Dark Knight, just he just wants to be bad. Or like Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal never wants to be good. He doesn't mm. think anything he's doing right is good. But if you can create the light, like Clarice in Silence right. of the Lambs, mm. then you can have stakes and you can have something to like hope right. for to come out yeah. of this. But you have to choose what you're going to do with this villain and then set up the juxtaposition against that right. to make that compelling and it was i think never. they just missed whether or not they were choosing to do that and then yeah. they missed any sort of other side of the light yeah. to have you care yeah i mean the word the reason this movie even got made was because james gunn's name is on it and uh you know he helped out some relatives yeah who were great the to writers. see steve uh, steve yeah. agee in the yeah movie. yeah he was in. he got a little cameo yeah, nice. it was really cool yeah. um but yeah this this movie it's a shame because it was the kind of thing where um, it really just didn't know what to do with itself. Uh, the other thing that was completely unnecessary is the complete slavishness to the Superman mythology. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, it's a farm in the Midwest, yeah. and every single power this kid had was the same as Superman. Like, and, everything from the heat And literally vision. Kansas. Yeah, and literally it was Kansas. And, you know, the flight, I mean, like, well, we, we don't need to match it exactly. To the point where I swear somebody in Warner Brothers legal must have gone, hey, can we do anything about this? I'm like, look, he's directing Suicide Squad. Let this movie come yeah, out. Yeah, you're just, right. just let it come out. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it was, yeah. <laughs> I'll talk more about it in the, the mini spoiler rant that I want to do because there is some stuff I want to talk about. Can I say one thing that doesn't give anything away? Yes. Mm-hmm. I had almost wished, and this doesn't give anything away, but I had almost wished the movie itself consisted of one act. And then what's ha- what you see in the end credits is where this movie gets going. Yes, that's what mm-hmm. I'm like. Oh, this is an uh, that's an interesting movie. Yeah, absolutely, because that's yeah. It did some weird thing in the uh, the credits, like oh, what's going on? And we're going to open up the world, and um, it, and it does that arrogant thing that all these um, superhero and uh, franchise movies do. They're so concerned with setting up a franchise and a world and more mm-hmm. movies that no, you have to have a good movie first, right? Not second, right. right? You know, it has to be good first before we're interested in uh, creating a world and other movies. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we'll get more into that in the uh, in, in the mini spoiler on Patreon, but that's again another mistake. It was like, oh, just no, it'll be great. We'll just we'll make more, and you know, uh, we'll set all this stuff up at the end. And like, no, stop. Write a good movie first. Right. That's what you have to do. 
So, uh, yeah, and uh, I, I remember I was texting you over the weekend because the Brightburn and Booksmart were like two indies that were being overshadowed by Aladdin. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was thinking, you know what? It's, you know, Aladdin's a big giant money grab for a giant studio. Let's do a little bit more uh, promotion and try to help out the two indies that might be struggling this weekend. And uh, now I wish I saw Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's funny. So. We watched the trailer on this show a couple weeks ago, and it was like, this could be really cool if they handle it correctly. Yes. And it right. sounds mm -hmm. like no. Yeah. Great no. premise. I love the yeah. idea. Yeah. And uh, oh, one last thing I can mention before uh, that isn't any spoilers. This suffered horribly from the fact that every single thing is in the trailer. Uh. The entire movie is in the trailer. Like uh, to the point where you're like, as you're watching the movie, you're like, oh, when's this trailer scene coming? When's this trailer scene coming? All the way to the end, one of the final scenes then is you in know, the trailer. Then you know, the, then you, can, you can tie it together. You can yeah. know, oh, so this is what's going to happen because I haven't yeah. seen that scene yet, mm -hmm. so it right. explains. And once you start yeah. getting into the movie, oh, that scene's, okay. Because normally, even with the shitty trailer editing, it's like, well, they're not going to take anything from the third act. Oh, not this movie. You literally got, I think, the second to last scene was oh, it was in the trailer. Really? So, yeah. See, my rule is if I know I'm going to see the movie, mm -hmm. I will maybe watch the very first release teaser trailer because those mm -hmm. almost never give anything away. Right. And usually sometimes a year to a year and a half before the movie comes out. Mm -hmm. And then I will not watch another one. That's smart. Because I, but what I can do, I realized I'm such a visual learner. I can be sitting at the arc light and just not just close my eyes or not look at the screen. I won't remember anything I hear. But if I see <laughs> it, I remember in, was it 96, Jerry Maguire? Mm -hmm. I was in that theater watching it spoiler alert for all you people that are holding out on jerry Maguire. he shows them the money and uh yeah exactly <laughs> no remember the scene where uh, uh cuba gooden jr is like looks like he might have broken his neck and they're clapping in slow motion over him to wake him up and i'm sitting there going well he does a backflip in the trailer and that hasn't happened yet and then, of course in that same scene that's <laughs> yep. how they end that scene and mm. ever, i've always been like oh if i know i'm gonna see it right I just, like mm. even last night when i went to a movie i they did the uh the what is it the charles manson quentin tarantino movie that's coming out in july oh uh, once upon a time in yes Hollywood. yeah mm -hmm. the trailer i can tell you this much sounded amazing mm -hmm. <laughs> I, but i couldn't bring myself I'm like i don't want to see a frame of this is charles that's manson it. a big part of the movie i don't know i know um i think Tate i know he's in it uh, yeah yeah but i think it focuses on yeah. more of that end of yeah, it him so. and the stunt man yeah uh but anyway so all right, so I am hoping Booksmart was better than Brightburn. Well, you um, <clears throat> talked me into seeing this. Yes, I did. I heard it's good. <laughs> and uh, at first I was like, all right, <laughs> teen comedy, mm -hmm. you know, the angst of privileged suburban white girls. Oh, right. no. What trouble mm -hmm. are they getting themselves into? <laughs> what hijinks. What hijinks. I loved this movie. Very awesome. funny. <laughs> I've heard it's phenomenal. It's, fu it's got really mm -hmm. funny stuff in it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's got all of the beats of a of a high school party. Mm -hmm. They got to get to the big party. So sure. this, we've seen this a million times. But the set pieces to get them there, the establishment of the two girls at the top, you know, the lead character, you know, she's very funny. But I, did, I, I hated this character at first. I was like, oh, God. The know-it-all girl. I don't care mm. if she fuck her, you know. Right. Like, but they did a good job of establishing that. So then, mm. as they start unveiling yeah. everything, you go, "Oh!" Mm. And this is what this movie did. And, and Olivia Wilde said that she that the Breakfast Club, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Dazed and Confused, Clueless were an inspiration for this film. Mm. Which the Breakfast Club, you know, 
to my to my knowledge, and I, I could be wrong, was one of the first teen movies that set up all of the stereotypes, the high school stereotypes, yeah. and then pulled back the layers to go, oh, the jock is under a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, the, mm-hmm. the nerdy girl, she's really ostracized. You know, who knows what's going on with her at home? Mm-hmm. You know, like it really like... The bully the is bully guy. cigarettes put on Yeah, on his dad's yeah. putting cigarettes out on him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the nerd kid that thinks he's smarter than everyone, well, he's he's bullied and not liked and all this stuff. So this movie actually mm-hmm. did a lot of that in a, in very funny ways, and it's really... And also, the thing about Breakfast Club is doesn't get a lot of credit for it, too, is it was a one-scene movie. Yeah, it's essentially was, a play. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And you don't even feel it. It's done so well. You shot. It's mm-hmm. shot in a library. Mm-hmm. Um, You're true. Nutria, yeah, I think so. That, yeah. I grew up in the North Shore. I went yeah. to high school in Evanston, and so those those movies resonated a lot with me because I was living in that environment mm-hmm. at the time. Although for me, it was different because Evanston was forty percent black, so I didn't yeah. go to the all white school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was this movie did a lot of interesting things. The one thing that's sort of uh, I'm a little like, yeah, there's two gay kids in it. They're very stereotypical. Mm-hmm. One of them's black. So the only black man in the movie is a gay guy, which is something mm-hmm. Hollywood has been doing for a long time mm-hmm. of like, you know. <laughs> Go well, ahead, take the bananas. Yeah, it's really, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's like that, that from, yeah. from, yeah. Um, 48, no, what was it? Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills yeah. Cop, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can get away with it kind of in that, but but again, it's very, st- that's the one thing is very, now these these two characters have funny scenes, but I was the one thing I was like, oh man, this movie's doing going out of its way to break down all of these stereotypes. But then they put that in there, and those guys are never really explained. Mm-hmm. They're just the gay guys. Yeah. And I was a little like, yeah, man, you know, you're you're trying to be all, you know, diversity, girl empowerment, but mm-hmm. we're gonna have these stereotypical mm-hmm. black gay guy, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was a little. I was like, ah, but. There's very, very funny scenes in this movie um, that go into, like there's one kid who's the rich kid. Mm-hmm. And there's an, he, he's throwing a massive party, right? So the, pro, the, 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 the premise is these girls think they're better than everyone else. And there's a really funny scene where she's like, I'm going to Yale and all you dummies are, and they're like, well, I'm going to Georgetown. I'm going to Stanford. And she's mm-hmm. like, what? <laughs> you partied all four years and you're, we, I sacrificed. And she's furious. And it's a mm-hmm. very funny scene mm-hmm. to show like the dipshit jock guy is actually smart. Mm-hmm. You know, right, like right, he just right. had fun. Right. <laughs> you know, he just enjoyed <laughs> yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and there's one scene where there's like a rich, rich kid. And she's like, you know, you can't just buy people's affection with money just because you have money. And he goes, well, yeah, my parents did it. Their mm-hmm. parents did it. And so it's it's a funny way of going. In high school, you're sort of at the mercy of how you were raised. Mm-hmm. You know, high school, ever, most people are like, I'm this religion and this political bent because my parents are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. My yeah. parents said that that. So that's who I think. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was. It, they did a lot of sort of funny ways of of showing that stuff. Um, and you know, there's. Yeah, there was a lot of really funny stuff. There's one moment where this female teacher was gonna maybe hook up with this teenage boy, and he he's she's like, "You're 20, right?" He goes, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay," because I'm like, if they had her t- hook up with an underage boy, and it's all like, "Ha ha ha," <laughs> yeah. I might fucking get a little pissed off. <laughs> that, uh, me personally, mm-hmm. um, so uh, there were. Yeah, there was a lot of laugh out loud scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good writing. 
um, the dynamic of these two young women. Again, there's no stars in it. Mm. There are, and I know maybe some of these child actors are, are teenage. Right, they're, right, maybe they're on something show that I don't know that they're there's famous. There's nobody in it that can open a movie. Right. No, mm-hmm. no yeah. way. And it's great. Mm-hmm. I wow. mean, you have Will Forte as a small scene in it. Jason okay, Sudeikis cool. has a small scene, but they're, mm-hmm. they're, you're not going, it's not, it's right. not a Will Forte comedy. Right. Right. Um, uh, so it's, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's a no name cast. It's really well written. They do a good job of, of breaking stuff down, uh, in terms of the, the teen stereotypes. And you realize that because I think it's, you know, and there's like four or five, I think four or five women that wrote this, which at first I, any, we always talk about this. If I saw five writers, I'd be like, Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a problem. But no, they did a really good job. And, mm. and of, of, you know, like any good comedy, there's just all these comedy set pieces right. sure. mm-hmm. that that's the problem of some comedies is you've just got these little individual mm-hmm. sketches mm-hmm. that are funny, but it doesn't, yeah, gel. It, it doesn't gel. This does a good job of gelling. And like any comedy, it's always like, we got to save the teen center. We got to, we got to party one sure. last time before graduation right. and graduation's tomorrow and there's a mm-hmm. ticking clock. So it's this very basic mm-hmm. comedy premise, but the way they went through it, it wasn't like I've seen this before. Like it, even those scenes that we've seen before, their take on it was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give some stuff away, but there's a, at, we accidentally took drugs, right? We've seen that scene mm-hmm. a thousand times and I've seen that in trailers and I go, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> the way they do it in this one is brilliant. Oh, it's fucking it. brilliant. And it, in a very funny way, deals with, the body image stuff that women have mm. to go through. I don't want to spoil it because the fucking scene is fucking hilarious. And it, and it really, you know, they, they deal, I, I give the writers credit because it, it, it shows like the, this notion that sometimes like all women think this or all men are like that is really like, no, that's not true. And they really break that down. You know, like there's one scene where they're, talking to one girl that's like the, you know, she's been labeled the easy girl mm-hmm. in school or whatever. And the girl's just like, well, you know, I mean, I like giving blowjobs. What the, what the fuck am I can't, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, it's just fucking fine. It's like, yeah. and it's, it's obviously like a bunch of funny women wrote this mm-hmm. on how women would talk to each other. Cause, and it was, it was real. I, I thought it was fucking hilarious overall. I thought it was hilarious. So well, Olivia Wilde de- described the movie as the training day of high school movies. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. And that's funny because that's, you see the influences I'm watching this going. This is all of I like, I, I knew it was fast times and all this mm-hmm. clue. And I was like, they did a good job with all those, but some of those movies aside from breakfast club, you know, stay with the two-dimensional stereotypes of the jock and the pretty right. girl and the right, nerd right, and the right. and the outcast and the burner or whatever. Mm-hmm. But this movie did a really good job of really of really tearing that down and leading you down. You know, it's 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 funny. It's it's and it's worth seeing and it's like it's it's a it's a good indie film to support. It also seems like it would have been a good idea for a movie like this to have one of those dual releases, theatrical and on demand at the same time, because I think it's just theatrical right now. Yeah. You don't need to see this in the big screen. Right. I mean, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun in a crowded theater because you hear everybody laugh. Sure. Yeah, right. yeah, so yeah. That, a good experience. I, that's a good experience, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so I would watch it with in a crowded thing if you could mm-hmm. um, to hear a bunch of people laugh. That's that's that was funny. 
I mean, I've been in, I, I can be in a movie theater alone and laugh out loud. I don't give a shit. But right. like some people are like, I don't laugh when there's not people. Like, oh. <laughs> That's your problem. That's your sir. weirdo. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's funny. I, I, I give Olivia Wilde credit, man. It, it, this is her directorial debut, I believe. And it it's, is, yes. Uh, it's very fucking funny. Oh, that's great. I wouldn't predict her to be a comedic director. Right. That's just because we've never really seen her do much comedies. No. Mm-hmm. And, but she fucking gets comedy, man. Oh, that's great. And, you know, it was the, these, these writers, I don't, I'd like to know where they all, mm-hmm. like, what their history is, because maybe they've all, I'm, my guess right. is this, these mm-hmm. these four or five women that wrote this have all must have, they all must mm-hmm. have come from, like, 30 Rock or something. They all mm-hmm. came from somewhere, because it's funny. They're funny fucking writers. Yeah. Um, so it's worth watching. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see it now, too. Very cool. All right. So let's get into some streaming movies, oh. Graham. Um, I saw Rim of the World. This was a movie on a, a, a Netflix streaming service with a budget of $15 million. And uh, it was directed by famous auteur Mick G. <laughs> Chris, why um, did you do that to yourself? Here's why. Because it was a kid's movie and I was looking for something for oh, my okay. son and I to watch. Okay. And uh, I wouldn't have watched it on my own. And it was a, um, I liked the premise again. Uh, a bunch of kids go to summer camp for. Uh, outcast kids and then there's an alien invasion and they have to save the world oh wow. so. I did see the trailer for <laughs> yeah. this it looks mm-hmm. like an interesting premise so yeah. then we get in mm-hmm. sort of a Lord of the Flies Hunger Games environment after- that would be a great movie yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah this movie uh, goes off the rails almost instantly it's it's unbelievable how uh, messed up this movie is with no direction no plot no story no character it's like everything is wrong in this movie what a Mick G yeah. film <laughs> a Mick G film on Netflix how could that go wrong that's the perfect combo yeah, yeah I know and uh, here's the first that's thing like that's like a football team on ice skates yeah. like why would the, how could that go wrong everyone wants it everyone yeah. wants to see it people like ice skating they people like, like football people like football why wouldn't they like it together the Patriots win all these Super Bowls how yeah. come they can't win mm-hmm. on ice skates yes just put them in tights and let's yes. go yes what the fuck's your problem Oh my god, this movie, first of all, here's the first problem with this movie. Um, it is a $15, $15 million movie um, trying to be a $80 million alien invasion movie. Wow. So when that happens, um, you know, you could make a very good movie for $15 million, but not an $80 million movie one. Then it ends up looking like a $2 million movie that's on, like, the Sci-Fi channel at, yeah. like on Saturday afternoon. So it literally looks like garbage. Like, every alien, every special effect looks like, um, you know, BBC from 20 years ago. It's like a wedding when, some, when someone has enough money to do a little bit of everything. Right. And should have just paid for an open bar <laughs> right. and yeah. a good yeah. band. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. just don't worry about – how about we don't have a crappy dinner and a crappy DJ – and, and like a crappy venue when you could have just gotten a really good DJ in a really good venue and just told people to eat before they got to your wedding. Yeah. Like, don't spread it yeah. all around a little yeah. bit. Do a couple things great. Mm-hmm. Yes. What yeah. was the John Goodman Cloverfield Lane? Yes. Movie? Oh, yeah. Where it was yeah. like, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have $50 million. So mm-hmm. we'll just make a small movie in a big idea. Yes. And that's what should have happened. That's what always yes. works is, mm-hmm. is with, there's so many examples we could give mm-hmm. of, Good premise, didn't have the money, mm-hmm. and that not having the money actually forced them to make a really interesting... You have to have a good script. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have to have compelling characters. You mm-hmm. have to have story arc mm-hmm. because you can't just dazzle people with cool no. effects. And that's uh, and you certainly didn't do that here at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
so uh, this is what like we have we have a shitty uh, script, a shitty director, and then we're gonna add a. But that's not all. Now we're gonna add shitty effects on top of that. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this movie, uh, or, or or to keep going. I Did your say. son like it? He liked it, but I could tell also like there was a lot of stuff. Like it was very uneven. Like some of the stuff, like it was like a TV fourteen, which is a weird rating. Yeah. So some of the stuff was a little extra violent. There was. Uh, and then some of the dialogue was so sti- stupid that I'm like, oh, well, a four-year-old is rolling their eyes at this. And uh, uh, But what they did was every time, you know, a new actor or somebody would come on the screen, you could tell, oh, that may not have been the best audition, but it was the cheapest one. Mm. <laughs> so, so every single actor, like they started the summer camp with like, oh, it's going to be kind of like a meatballs or a... Um, Wet Hot American Summer where every counselor and every character is like this weird, quirky comic character. And it felt like, all right, get me the cheapest version of Mindy Cowling. Get me the cheapest version of Kevin Hart. Like all of those, like, all right, every first year groundling was a day player. Like for this camp, gotcha. and uh, and then we're like, okay, well maybe this is going to be part of the movie. Nope, everyone got a um, got one scene, and then the aliens invaded, and everyone was gone. They had them and for then, a day. Yeah, yeah, and then that was uh, then we're we're getting into like these four um, kids who you know come together. They all have their own problems, but they're all complete stereotypes with no uh, depth. And and even you know I felt bad for the kids because they even had nothing to work with, uh, even as thirteen year old actors. So, and then it gets mind-numbingly baffling. Like, uh, these kids have to save the world by getting this weird magic key to JPL that an astronaut landed in front of them that gave them to, you have to bring this to JPL. I'm like, why? This makes no sense. (laughs) So, um, and then they go into a city that's already destroyed by the aliens, and the military finds them. And like, oh, they're saved. All right, we'll get you kids out of here. So there's all these tanks and... Soldiers, don't worry, we got you now. So all the kids get on a bus. And then, the, of course, the aliens attack. Everyone gets killed around them but these four kids. And yet, so um, clearly, <laughs> the the aliens can hit everything but uh, four slowly moving children <laughs> through a, sure. uh, a battlefield city. Um, so it was really one of those movies that I don't know what happened. Like, I, I looked and I'm like, was this like a first-time screenwriter? And no, this the screenwriter was one, like, one half of a writing team that did, like, Marvel movies and, like, a couple of other, like, big movies. So it really felt like, well, maybe once Mick G got his mitts on it, like, everything was just kind of thrown away and changed until the uh, screenwriter threw up his arms in defeat. Mm-hmm. It really kind of felt that way because nothing matches, nothing makes sense, nothing um, as far as, like, a... Uh, narrative film goes uh, and then you throw like shitty effects on top of it it was like it was just a mess and again it's it's one of those things where if you've got a 15 million dollar budget great make a 15 million dollar movie right. there's great ways and interesting ways to do it even with aliens yeah. and kids and uh like it like they were more concerned with making like dirty jokes for 13 year olds than they were for actually putting any story or characters into the into the movie but Mick G is a vapid useless director anyway so i wasn't really expecting a lot um but at the same time you know if if you've got a uh, he makes like ron howard look like ingmar bergman <laughs> that should be put on the movie poster yeah. vapid what did you call it useless Va- vapid a vapid useless, useless director <laughs> But um, so <laughs> this movie, I'm just like, God, Netflix, stop getting getting me angry with your cinematic uh, choices. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, my son kind of liked it, but again, it wasn't it wasn't the kind of thing where I'm like, oh, that was the best movie. It was like, okay, well, he got to see some aliens and some stuff blow up, and, you know, he can turn on the PlayStation and see a video game with better graphics sure. than what he just saw. Right. So, can I ask you from a parenting mm-hmm. point of mm-hmm. view? We all have things from our youth that we loved, mm-hmm. but going back, we see, like, this was not that good. Yeah. When... Y- you watch with your with your child, and mm-hmm. he likes a movie. Do you let him live in that? Like, oh, in this time of your life at 11, 12 years old, whatever, mm-hmm. you think this is great, and you should have that. Or do you do you do you say like, no, that sucked, and here's why? No, I said here's as a ten year old, this is what your opinion should be. So, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Really, Chris? That's, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Needed some of that parenting and Brightburn. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, it's uh, you know what's you know what interesting? I mean because you could speak. educate yeah. or you could let it live in his own thing that he was like oh I, it's awesome and you're like, I, it's fine you I actually that. do both I um I, what I try to do is like you know he'll watch you know stuff on Netflix and yeah. you know, streaming services and there's stuff he likes um but I try to steer him towards the really cool of stuff course. yeah and then a lot of times he likes it but there's that ten percent of the time he doesn't. And I feel disappointed by that. <laughs> That's like okay. if I have like one of those picks, I'm like, oh, you're going to love this movie. I'm like, eh. I'm like, oh, no, it's just oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Go back to watching Gravity Falls. That's fine. Sure. So, sure. Great um, show. Yeah, it is a great show. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, avoid this movie if you can. Like, you know what I, I should have done, but we'd already covered it on the uh, on the podcast mm-hmm. is see, see you tomorrow because I think you would have liked that, too, because that probably that was probably a much better film. And uh so, Graham, you saw a, uh, a documentary called Pump, and I, I pulled up the trivia on this, and one thing came up. It won the 2015 Falsy Award for Hidden Agendas and Documentaries. <laughs> so yeah. I can't wait to hear about uh, this uh, documentary. It? So it's about um, the oil and the car industry and how to get us off of dependency on, on mm-hmm. fossil fuels. Okay. So overall— Okay, overall— like the premise. Like the good. <laughs> we, we like a lot of premises in today's show. So far, so good. You got me. It's, All right. It's, We're like the first part yeah. of a 101 improv class. Yes. yes. A lot of good premises. A lot of good premises. Book smart was the reverse. Yeah. I was yeah. like, I That's don't know true. about That's this true. premise, and it ended up being great. So, um, Pump, it does a good job of giving us the history of the oil lobby mm-hmm. and what happened how this country had amazing electric powered trolley system at the turn of the last century right there was you could they said you could go from san diego to new york just taking trolleys from town to town across the country really wow. oh, yeah. i didn't i didn't know that it was amazing los angeles had like the best it was like the state of the art trolley system mm-hmm. um and uh, Standard Oil and and Firestone Tires and all bought up all these trains across the country, ripped up tracks, and built freeways. And part of that was done by the Rockefellers. So um, one of the things Rock, Rockefeller Standard Oil was a monopoly. And when that happened, the federal government said that's a monopoly. You guys tore up all these. That's not you can't do that anymore. So we're breaking up all and all these little small oil companies. So Rockefeller bought up all these little oil companies. <laughs> sure. So, um, and they came up with... Uh, when That'll the, show them. Yeah. <laughs> and so like the first, the Model T car could run on alcohol, mm-hmm. could run on ethanol. Wow. That's why we had prohibition. Rockefeller went, nope. I don't want people making their own fuel. 
for their new cars that everyone's buying now. Sorry, this clean burning, easy to grow, sustainable stuff, done. Made, made alcohol illegal. Mm -hmm. One of the things in prohibition was you cannot make your own alcohol and use it in your automobile. That was part of prohibition. Mm -hmm. So it goes into- I don't the, remember them talking about that on the Untouchables. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. It didn't come up. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, um, they do really good research on, look, China went in 1986, you know, and this guy was like, the head of General Motors was like, I was in China in 1986 and everyone's on a bicycle. Everyone's on bicycles. And mm -hmm. now this consumer culture, because China's economy has been there creating mm -hmm. all these products. They even showed during the one child law, you're only allowed to have one child. Right. Mm -hmm. There ended up being more men than women. Mm -hmm. So now women in China have the pick of the litter and they're like, I want a guy with a good job. And then one of the things mm -hmm. they really want is he better have a car. So now all these men are like, I better, I better make enough money to buy a car. And there's lotteries and there's a whole thing. So they're showing how China, this massive market, everyone's getting cars and it's contributing to the emissions and all this other right. stuff. The movie has kind of a hidden agenda. Because <laughs> um, it's from the, the fuel. Well, it won an award. Yeah, it won the Fuel Freedom <laughs> Foundation. So it, it it's showing how we should be using ethanol and electric cars and all this stuff. This is mm -hmm. pretty like, it's pretty positive. Mm -hmm. But according to... Uh, the uh, LA Progressive website, Buyer Beware documentary um, promotes natural gas. So the only way to make natural gas is through fracking, to get fracking, and that's mm -hmm. awful for the environment. So it says, while pumping to advocate for freedom of choice and low prices to the benefit of the consumer, the Fuel Freedom Foundation, who funded the movie, serves as a piece of propaganda for the foundation's true reason of getting us off foreign oil. From what I can deduce, this is to enhance the security of Israel and other financially enrich the foundation's co-founders. So, so uh, this is this is from a uh, an LA or a progressive a progressive uh, website. website right. Now you okay. could go through this and dispute this, but there's mm -hmm. there's there is some like fracking stuff in here. And it's like, I would ask the viewers to go. It's you can watch the movie for free on YouTube. Right. Just keep an open mind. Then keep an open mm -hmm. mind. There's some positive information right. in there that mm -hmm. you can like. The, what I just said to you, China, right. the history of it. That's mm -hmm. important to watch. Um, but just know that this wasn't just like some doc filmmaker got would, some money, did, right. some, did an investigation, did an investigation mm -hmm. research. A foundation is pushing this, so let's right. be a little leery of this. Yes. Um, so there's some useful information about, um, but they're interviewing people that are like this guy used to be the executive, the head of Shell Oil, and this guy used to run the Rockefeller Foundation, and mm -hmm. so have they had a change of heart, these yeah. gentlemen, or <laughs> what are they doing now? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, one of my they're buying up subway systems. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and you know, so. It's informative on in some ways, but go, you've got to watch it as the grain of salt. Now, one of my right. viewers who watches my YouTube show, Political Vigilante, mm. please subscribe, um, mm -hmm. has been pushing, you got to watch this, you got to watch this. So I'm glad I did. I did mm. that job. And <laughs> I, I can say that there's some useful information. You but fulfilled your viewer request for the I week? I <laughs> did. They donated some money, so I did it. Mm -hmm. And uh, But just, you got to be careful where the source is. Right. It's mm -hmm. like... You know, well, there's some new studies that say that climate change isn't as bad. Who funded them? Oh, the American Petroleum Institute. Right. <laughs> right. Ah, I wonder right. what they're, if they have an agenda yeah. in this. Yeah. High fructose corn syrup isn't bad for you. Oh, the corn growers. Oh, the America. corn growers. Yeah. Oh, wow, look at that. They paid for a study. Look at that. Isn't that fun? 
So it's like, it's interesting. It's worth watching. It's free on YouTube, but going with a. All right. So check. I'm check glad I source. own an electric car. I'll tell yeah. you. That. There you go. I'll tell you, it's, um, it was a wide and varied uh, movie review uh, day yes, it for was. sure. Yes, it was. Um, a lot of premises. Okay. So. <laughs> Uh, we've got some Patreon sponsors for the act oh, here. Go to patreon.com slash comedy filmers, guys. Support us, and we will read things like... Like uh, Johnny Rulon promoting his novel Green Cheek, a junkie's guide to street magic. It's on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on her journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. Happyhorrorshowproductions.com, happyhorrorshowproductions.com. Fanboy Planet. Fanboy Planet is a website and podcast for all things geeky and amazing. Check out Fanboy Planet for your comics news, your movie news, TV news, and amazing interviews with industry insiders and artists. Fanboyplanet.com. I just did uh, an interview with them on, on their podcast. That nice. should be dropping soon. Fanboyplanet.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide, a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death. One cup of coffee at a time. New episodes every Friday wherever podcasts are fi- found. Find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com, coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They were recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. Check out alicefrazier.com with an S, alicefrazier.com. And last but not least, Rebecca Evans, The Art Podcast. When we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves. We find our own art in life. New episode with comic Arthur musician Greg Barrett, uh, theartpodcast.com, with an S. Um, and okay, that's $50 tier. At Thank the, you, uh, guys. Thanks for supporting the show. The, uh, and the and, Patreon level. And for all the listeners, go to those websites if it sounds interesting to you and let them know that you found out about it by listening to our show. Heck yes. yeah. All right. Now let's, uh, let's watch some trailers, Graham. <sighs> let's watch some trailers. Now, this is uh, the first one is Terminator Dark Fate. And uh, some familiar faces in this uh, new Terminator movie. This is the trailer number one. Trailer number one, indeed. Hold on. I'm ready. I'm unmuting it. Can everyone hear it? Yep. Yes. Had this nice, simple life. But now it's a nightmare. Looks like the future is still a nightmare. Yes. Mm-hmm. So present day. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Liquid metal terminator again. Oh, they're back. Holy shit. Oh, this is really cool. Guys. Terminator versus Terminator. Oh, there we go. Save John Connor from the thing. Come with me yeah, if you want to live. Come on, come gotta on. be. Oh yeah, Linda Hamilton. Yes. Back. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Fuck John Wick. Let's get Linda Hamilton yeah. back in action. Who are you? Yeah. My name is Sarah Connor. Maybe they should have had James Cameron involved in these movies uh, years ago. Almost <laughs> human. Sequels. I am the 
am human. Why do you care what happens to her? Because I was her. Time travel, little Schwarzenegger. Of course, Schwarzenegger's gonna be in it. All he does is be governor and be in, in uh, Terminator movies <laughs> now. So. How do we win? I love a good Gregorian chant. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with robots. Fate. All right. Yeah, so, directed by Tim Miller. Yeah. Story by James Cameron. How do we? So do we know which timeline we're going to be watching? Or I think if a great question. If Cameron is involved, I think it'll be something like the first two, and then throw away the rest, kind of like an Aliens type of timeline. Whereas, like, eh, don't worry about it. This is the last movie I made. That's the one that's <laughs> that's uh, that's we're involved in. That's where we're going to start the story back. But. It really looks like it has that feel to it for sure. Like yeah. this is a James Cameron Terminator movie, so don't worry about the other ones. And, uh, and it looked like at one point there was like a, the woman dressed like Sarah Connor from Terminator 2 is some sort of Terminator. I couldn't really tell. And then there was like a T-1000 at one point. Plus, I, I, I think there was that looked like there was a um, bad Terminator and possibly a hybrid Human, right. hybrid human Terminator slash. That John like, Connor sent back. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. It's definitely a tease. But here's the thing. Um, I don't want to see any more trailers. Now, this got me just interested enough. Sure. I don't care about the yeah. timeline or yeah. the time travel or what's going on. I just want to see the movie now. So I'm probably going to avoid trailers from now on in this. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, mm. I see these movies, you know, and it's, right. especially if Linda Hamilton's in it, yeah. mad and blowing people up. Right. Great. And these also fall into the category of movies. I tell this to people, I'm like, whatever it is or isn't, like uh, a movie that I actually love, but Pacific Rim, but mm. I, before I knew what it was and before I went and saw it, but whatever it is or isn't, it's never going to be better than it will be in the movie theater. So if yeah. you know you're going to see it, yeah. don't wait, because that's They're the just, best that's where it's going to be what the, the best, best of sure. whatever yep. it is. Yep. Not everyone has Dolby Atmos speakers in their home. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's going to sound right. and look the best right. in the theater. Yeah. Especially for a movie like that. Yeah, you got to go. And I'll tell you, this is the kind of movie, too, that um, uh, might go down to Hollywood for the IMAX screen. For sure. Mm. Like, it looks really cool. Have you guys done the 4D? Oh, the one where the seats rumble? No. <laughs> yes. oh, no. I've done it a couple times. It's mm -hmm. it's intense. And there's movies where it is perfect for it for really? that. Really fun. It's yeah. not just like a Down gimmicky at, kind of thing. No, it's good. Oh. Down at LA Live. Yeah, there's like a little fan in the seats in front of you. So, so sometimes if there's like a shootout, mm -hmm. you'll feel air like buzz past you like almost <laughs> like oh. uh, yeah there it has a quite a quite a few elements into it. like whoa that was really maybe fun. i'll go see this down in yeah. the it court. would that would this would work very well for All a right. 4d wasn't yeah. that uh man's chinese has one there right? they have one now too i know yeah. the la uh staples center la live okay. area they have one right there at that regal and there's a couple in the country i think but i'm not sure oh man uh, yeah that might be kind of cool i uh 4D chair spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> for Terminator. Sit in the 4D chair yeah. if you yeah. want to live. Dark fate. And now, so Arnold is, he's living in a cabin in the woods. He's in Terminator retirement or whatever. Yes, yeah, so mm -hmm. apparently uh, he switched his um, aging 
um, subroutine on, so mm. he actually looks older now. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I'm sure they made a choice. Like, well, we can make you. You know, we've got the technology. We can make you look like you did in the other movies. And like, no, I want to look older. I want to be the older man. Yeah. He's in his sixties now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? Did you guys cover this on a previous episode? He got drop kicked. No, oh, I heard it? about that. I didn't. He was see at it, like though, a, yeah. one of his events mm-hmm. in somebody just some other country, him, like, yeah. and a person just ran up behind him and drop kicked him mm-hmm. from the back. Mm-hmm. And of course, they got tackled. And he was like, "I thought I just got jostled." It happens a lot, like in big fan meet and greets, where you know you'll just get kind of like pushed right. from. And he goes, "I thought that's what it was." I'm like, "You're what are you sixty five? <laughs> and he just he can take a full on drop kick. Oh. Still, from, it's on video. People, it's crazy. Yeah. He just gets up and dusts himself off. Yeah, I don't even know if he went down. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That person did though. Right yeah. after. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see yeah. that person get just yeah. fucking stopped. Oh. Yeah. He's gonna be get drop kicked in prison many many times mm-hmm. over now. Oh. Well, let's watch the video again. Um, all right. So let's go to the next one. Is uh, Annabelle comes home. In the Conjuring universe, I think this is the 18th movie in the Conjuring universe. You folks need to turn around. Pretty bad accident up ahead. The only creepy doll do movie I want to see now is Chucky. Or something. Or something. <laughs> Great soundtrack. Oh. Nice doll. Trying to trying to use the carpool lane. Did work. Now this are this is the two actors from the. The first movie, The Conjuring. So, and they had cameos in some other later versions. Yeah, but mainly they were kind of absent from the the uh, the sequels. But now, oh, there's some setup. Don't go in that locked room and touch the doll. Everything. In so, there. so yeah, should make sure you touch everything. Yep. Read Latin out loud. <laughs> stab coming up audio wise yeah, soon. Comes a black cat nope. and a screech. Oh. I love the old it's an old school flashlight. Yep. And by the way, stay there and pick up the coin. Don't run. Yeah. That'd be the, the smartest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely know the <laughs> Nice. Annabelle is the beacon for other spirits. She's like a spirit lighthouse. Is she the gatekeeper or the key master? Zool? <laughs> Mrs. Warren? Mom? Is everything okay? Something is happening inside your house, and we're not really sure what to do. Can I speak to Annabelle? I'm sorry? You need to give her a soul, dear. She wants us. Oh, that was the wrong number. You should not wow. have called that person. Yeah, okay, yes or no? Home. Do we ever get a Chucky versus Annabelle movie? Oh, that'd be I great. That. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. You know. I'm into a Chucky. And, a a and Chucky if, v. Annabelle, mm-hmm. I'm totally in. And if in. they're not making it, I want someone to write that fan fiction immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll give so, you $15 million, make, yeah. <laughs> make it look like 80 <laughs> So 
you know, this this movie, I, it's the fans of this. We say this about movies like yeah. this. The fans of this universe of the Annabelle stuff. Right. Th- this is for They're them. They're gonna go see. They're gonna love yeah, it. Yeah. These They're aren't gonna... even the nun part of the Annabelle yes. movies. Yeah, that's wow. for the Conjuring universe. Yep, the nun is also part of it. Um, anything peripherally related. It's like Cloverfield. Like, we'll just get random scripts and then put a monster Is that how it is? End. Do they get scripts and then shoehorn it into the universe? That's really what it feels like. Yeah. yeah. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. hey, do whatever you want to do. Hey, it's working. People yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. The best one it. was the Cloverfield Paradox, where that was the one where Paramount even said, no, this is too bad. We can't release this. Netflix I, went, oh, we'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. I we'll, can't we'll, be judgmental of these movies, because we all just said we're going to watch the eighth fucking Terminator. Yeah. Right. You know what <laughs> I mean? Totally like, right. If that's if, your thing. If you love them, Oh, dive in go Graham, in that is yeah. completely different <laughs> <laughs> you, Chris storms out of the room you said that yeah, and I yeah. don't like it you don't know what you're talking about <laughs> no the new Terminator won't yeah. have the exact same plot points from all the other but, ones and you know what? it'll yeah. probably be the definitive one I don't mm-hmm. they won't even do a seven <laughs> I wish you could go back in time and stop me myself from watching any of those sequ- the sequels. Even the two? No, the two for sure. Yeah, after two. Everybody. After, that's everyone, everybody. Yeah. It's like yeah. any <laughs> film conversation, is everyone liking Terminator 2? And then one person thinking they're the first person to say, and it holds up. Yeah. And it holds up. <laughs> so, all right. Well, um, we also have, like I said, I can't quite talk about Galaxy's Edge yet, but next week for sure. Um, on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Greta. Which is that other? It's interesting. This seems to be a new subgenre of horror where it's adults putting children in danger or mm-hmm. young adults in danger, because we have Greta, where you know the, a young girl gets uh, gets stalked by an older woman, like you know she leaves the purse in the wallet and like oh, and then she gets into her sordid, twisted world. Oh. And then coming out this weekend, we also have Ma, which is um, Octavia Spencer's uh, movie where she lets teenagers party in her house and then does horrible things to right. them. Right. So. Um, and that's actually the only DVD and Blu-ray coming out. But uh, premiering this week, Graham, this is it. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. I cannot wait for this movie. Uh, I'm excited. Yes. Well, have you talked about, like, it's one of the best promo materials I've ever seen ever. that's happening at the Arclight right oh now? Oh, my God. It's the Have you guys talked thing. about it? No, you? not yet, but let's talk about it right now. Uh, I stared at this picture because I was like, is that real? I thought maybe it was a doctored mm-hmm. photo. And I was talking to Neil about it. I was like, no, that's that's what it looks like right now. It's, yeah. it's incredible. So the Cinerama Dome, they've put a giant inflatable Godzilla head on top of it, but they made it in such a way where it looks like he's um, exploding out of the dome. So part of the display is like the pieces little of pieces the of the dome on breaking the side. away. Yeah, breaking as his away. His head comes straight yeah. up, and at night there's a spotlight that goes up out of his mouth, a blue spotlight mm-hmm. that goes up out of his mouth. And so at night it looks like he's a, like rising up out of the th- movie of theater, the screaming with his fire. <laughs> And I have, how much do you think that cost? It had to be a million, at least. That a is so yeah. much money mm-hmm. to fabricate that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I can't think they made more than one, maybe. It wouldn't work anywhere else. No, right? because it was deliberately designed to be and it's huge. part of the it arc is. Light. I'm telling you mm-hmm. right now, it is three times bigger than you think it is. Right. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's enormous. <laughs> enormous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just went there. That's where I went to go see the the um, Booksmart. Booksmart. Look I, up. I, I didn't. I just. Saw, <laughs> I, just <laughs> I went to the Veggie Grill afterwards, yeah. and I didn't see it right next to it. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> that makes me mad. Yeah, I'm like, well, 
did you just decide when you went to the movie? All right, I'm going to do everything but look up right yep, now. Yep. Never yeah. look up when you yeah. go to the movie. Head down, <laughs> head down, headphones in. Yep, if you don't yep. want that movie ruined, yep. I do that sometimes. If I'm walking into a big movie like uh, Endgame, I I was like, I won't let people walking out ruin You'll it hear for it. me. Yes, yeah. and you because you know I don't need much. Yeah, if you, you, guys, comedy film nerds. There's very little I would need to ruin a movie for me. Uh, right. In trailers, yeah. Yeah. if it's a jib, if it's a rotating jib shot, I'm like, there's Act Three. That's the final <laughs> shot. <in> the <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. Like, yeah. So, I don't need much for a movie mm. to be ruined on some level. I enjoy the whole arc mm. of it. I don't even want the first part of the arc ruined. Mm. And so, yeah, if I if it's a big enough movie, I'll go in with headphones, mm. and so because I, I don't want to hear people walking out saying giving things away. I just look up. I look just above everyone's. Like eye line, uh-huh. so I don't make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> sure, <laughs> perfect. But then I don't crook it up enough to <laughs> see a Godzilla coming out of a yeah, right, right. out of the cinema. You gotta. It's great. All right. Or a giant blue spotlight. <laughs> sure. Yep. That's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta. Is go that next. your number so, one movie for next weekend? Then that oh, you can't for sure. wait for Godzilla. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, our. Our, our other writer, uh, Neil, a comedy film nerds, he will be doing the spoiler app next week because he is incredibly excited about seeing it as nice. well. He's like a huge Godzilla uh, junkie. And I think we're probably going to do a Rocket Man spoiler app, uh, maybe with Ron Placone because he's a big music guy that we might. Yeah, that'd later. be great. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's um, it's interesting counter programming because it's uh, Godzilla. And then it's Rocket Man, and then Ma. Like, but I, I have no desire to see Ma, but I do want to see Godzilla, and I do want to see Rocket Man too. I was just so John Wick will fall from number one, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. for sure. And yeah. do you think there's any way it isn't Godzilla as number one? No. no okay. This is because no way. The, the way does the, Rocket Man get two, or does John Wick stay in two? Rocket Man will go to two. You think? I think Rocket Man goes to two and Wick. Yeah, falls I think you're. Three. I think you're right. Because everybody yeah. who would go see Wick is gonna have I've gone. Seen, has go, already seen. Go, it. Already yeah, seen yeah. it, or they'll go see Godzilla and then wait another week. Right, on Wick for sure. Yeah. The other thing about Godzilla was the rollout. The way you know the trailers were slowly being rolled out, the uh-huh. teasers, and you know to see all the monsters and you know the the little bit of the storyline. So it was a really well planned marketing campaign for sure now like and, and then to cap it all off with a giant head on the uh <laughs> arc <light. laughs> the, the arc yeah. light. so definitely check uh it out we will be talking about godzilla and a spoiler next week for sure we'll try to get to rocket man but we can't guarantee it mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll do our best yeah so all right that is our show oh, ladies and gentlemen ding dong mm-hmm. so um dbk where can people find you uh, you can hear me every single week doing the podcast Pen Pals with Rory Scovel. Mm-hmm. Uh, people write in letters about anything they want. Not just It's not an advice show. You can write us about anything. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, respond by reading those letters back to people. And then Dumb People Tom, which you guys have both graced us with your presence yeah, on those. Yeah, that's such a fun uh, show. That w- is a, the show I do with the Sklar Brothers. Just three dumb news stories and four people who try to make it funny. And you uh, you, you keep that show going, too. You're like, here's the story. Let's talk about <laughs> it. And, uh, Thanks. I, I love it. I love that show. Um, and then other than that, just go to DanielVanKirk.com or at mm-hmm. Daniel Van Kirk on all social media. I'm on tour right now. I have uh, two legs in the Midwest and then the East Coast, which will wrap up this summer. Those dates will be announced this week, I think, by the end mm-hmm. of this week. Uh, looking at places like Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, uh, Buffalo, St. Louis, Minneapolis, all over the Midwest and then the East Coast as well. So go to Daniel Van Kirk for that. And then... I'll be at Clusterfest in what, like three weeks, four weeks, something like that, up in San Francisco. Oh, cool! So, yeah. Now, I, uh, one thing I wanted to mention too for Dumb People Town is it the fans that send in the 
dumb yes. people stories yep. it yep. is yeah all of, all of our fans that go to uh just uh hashtag dumb people town at daniel van kirk and then mm. thankfully twitter puts it all in the timeline of the order in which they came in so i try to do my best to pick who sent in whatever ridiculous story mm. uh first and yeah they get credit for sending those in oh, nice yeah. great such a fun show. Uh, Thanks, man. Progressive Comedy Tour. Ron Placone and I are coming to the East Coast June 12th. Washington, D.C., the 13th, Baltimore, 14, 15, Philly. June 16th, New Haven, Connecticut. June 17th, New York City. June 19th, Boston. Go to GrahamElwood.com for all of your tour dates. Right. And uh, my graphic novel, Long Ago and Far Away, the uh, fourth issue is dropping. Actually, no. Issue five is dropping tomorrow, Ooh, Wednesday, nice. the, uh, the 30th, uh, from Starburns Press. And uh, you can check it out. It's only $1.99 each episode, each issue on uh, Comixology. So, uh, but if you want a signed copy of the entire story now, we have some Kickstarter versions left at the Comedy Film Nerds store, comedyfilmnerds.com. All right. And... Uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge next week, I promise. <laughs> the embargo will be lifted. Yes. <laughs> Chris Manzini will stop being sequestered from yes. this. Uh... Yeah. I think it's hurting Steel more. <laughs> Steel Steel more. That, was, that was gutsy. Yeah, yeah. Bringing him and telling yeah. him he can't talk about right. it. That was a gutsy play. Uh, I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. If I would give him uh, Star Wars state secrets like yeah. that and just expect him to be uh, adhere to the rule of decent society. Um, so uh, we got to get Steele back on the show and talk yeah. about it. I just sent him an email about uh, him coming back. Mm -hmm. um, well, thank you, Daniel Van Kirk, for thanks being for on the show. Me, gentlemen. Great to see you. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming by. Always. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Emily, for subbing in. Uh, Aaron Brungart, we're thinking of you, my friend. Uh, hope all is well with your family. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot first. first.